Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast, right here on arsblog.oleole.com. Hope we find you well this Friday, or whenever it is you happen to be listening to this. It's been uh, quite a week since the last Arscast. It's been up and down. It's been emotional. It's been footballistically footballish, hasn't it? All kinds of stuff has gone on. So we'll look back on that. Also with me in a few moments' time to talk about uh, the burning issues and all that kind of stuff is uh, Amy Lawrence from The Observer. We'll have George with a tale of the unexpected, uh, Sylvester's in the house, and there's other bits and bobs as well, I am sure. So, since the last Arscast, so much has happened. And uh, I think uh, Arsenal has to take some responsibility, uh, as a football club, as an organisation, for my uh, drinking this week, because I have drunk heavily. Uh, we met on Saturday evening to uh, watch the game in a pub in town, and and of course it was all all rather good until such times it all went rather bad. And then to uh, make the pain of the bad go away, you, you've got to drink, and then go and uh, eat some Japanese food where the chef is putting shells of prawns on his hat with his flipper thing, you know, a little trowel thing they use for the teppanyaki. He's like, Whoosh. anyway. It was Arsenal that made me drink that much. Nothing to do with my appetite, I can tell you. And the game on Saturday, um, what can you do? First goal, not particularly good, was it, to let in? Abue did, and Fabianski beaten at his near post. This was after we'd taken the lead by uh, Theo Walcott hitting a goal in off Ashley Cole's hand. So not only... Was it a Walcott goal? Had it not gone in, it would have been a penalty against Ashley Cole. So it was win-win. But Theo, God bless him, every time he does something fantastic in a big game, we managed to fuck it up for him. Carling Cup final, he scored his first Arsenal goal, I think, wasn't it? And what a goal it was. It was fucking brilliant. And then that big fucking cunt Drogba got his... And we lost, and there was a brawl, and there was fighting, and red cards, and it was all terrible, 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 and poor Theo didn't know what was going on. And once again, Theo gave us a lead, and after he gave us a lead, we went into our shells. We were like snails, snailing over a salt bed. We just weren't good. They scored, Maluda scored before halftime, they could have scored another one, and Elka. And then, and then... With what, how many minutes to go? Seven minutes to go or something? Silvestre, an experienced international defender. A man who has won cups and titles during his time at Manchester United 
was muscled off the ball by um, Didier Drogba. No shame in that. As I said on the blog, uh, pretty much every defender across Europe over the last couple of years has been muscled off the ball by, by Drogba. He's a big, strong cunt. Let's face it. He's a big guy. You or I would struggle. However, there are a couple of things you could do, even if you're muscled off the ball. He could have, like, kicked his ankles off, couldn't he? He could have kicked him in the back and given away a free kick. Would have put us at somewhat of a disadvantage, but it wouldn't have been a goal. But don't just stand there and watch. Don't give up. He gave up, and that, to me, was really, really poor. He gave up. He just stopped running. Uh, the other mistake, or his mistake, obviously, was compounded by that of Lucas Fabianski, who came out to try and sweep up uh, and made it really easy for Drogba to score. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking. Russia blood to the head, and not for the first time. Uh, he, there was just no way he was getting there. Drogba took it past him, scored. That was it. Game over. It was always going to be uh, a Chelsea win from then on. The main talking point, of course, was why Arsene left Andrei Arshavin on the bench. He was cup-tied for the Champions League, so he was fresh and ready and... I don't know. I still can't quite get my head around it. Maybe he had a little injury, maybe, I don't know, he didn't want to play him with Hiddink. Maybe he was saving him for Tuesday night, but that's something we can uh, come to with Amy in a few minutes' time. But of course, it caused all kinds of consternation, but when you look at it in the cold light of day, it was two goalkeeping errors, really, that cost us the game. Well, two poor pieces of defending and two poor pieces of goalkeeping. That's what cost us the game. We didn't uh, create an awful lot. Well, there wasn't too much wrong um, with, the way we, uh, with the way we went at the game. In the sense that, apart from those two mistakes, Chelsea didn't really look like scoring. Apart from the Anelka shot, which hit the post and what have you. But um, when you can't legislate for errors like that. It was an unusual team selection. No doubt about it. And I wish he'd picked Arshavin, and I wish he'd uh, gone at it a bit stronger because we could be in the final of the FA Cup against Everton now, but what can you do? He picked the team which he thought was going to win the game, or which he thought could win the game. Not necessarily was going to, but was capable of it. He was wrong, I think. I think we all think that, Uh, but what can you do? Managers make mistakes, players make mistakes. We could equate Arsene's team selection to Fabianski's rushing out uh, and trying to stop the ball when Drogba was was through. Maybe that's a good comparison. Uh, However, uh, the rest at Arshavin uh, was quite incredible on Tuesday night against Liverpool, scoring four goals. Amazing. To score four at Anfield in a league game, in a big, important league game, especially when Liverpool... Uh, we're going for the title. We know Baptista scored four goals there before. It was a Carling Cup game, and really, the importance of a Carling Cup game uh, pales into insignificance when you consider Liverpool needed to win to stay uh, in touch with Manchester United at the top of the table to win the title for the first time since 1990. This is burning them. It burns Liverpool fans that they haven't won the league in 19 years. So their motivation for that game was high, very, very, very high. And for Arsh having to score four goals, capitalizing as he did on some defensive errors. Uh, but that's what you got to do. There were great goals as well. First one, nice little finish off the, uh, off the crossbar. I'd say he meant that. Definitely. Second goal, rocket from the edge of the box after dispossessing Arbeloa. Third one, 
right place, right time, bang. And the fourth one is probably my favorite Arsenal goal for as long as I can remember. Because remember when we used to score goals like that all the time? It'll be Henri breaking and Perez coming up behind, or it'll be somebody else breaking and Henri going through the middle at pace. Well, this was fantastic. In the 89th minute, Walcott took it on. He'd come on as a sub, and obviously it was a little bit fresher. But Arshavin, from the edge of our box, took off like a rocket, running his little legs, going as fast as they carry him. And he does only have little legs. Let's remember that. They're tiny little legs. But he was pumping away. And then the finish... And it was magnificent. And you're thinking, 4-3, this is the best game. This is fantastic. I just can't believe Arsenal are going to win this game. I cannot be- I'm, I'm so happy. I'm overjoyed. I was ecstatic. And then we let one in. And the defending was... If I was to say it was Sunday League, it would be an insult to every Sunday League team. Even to... Fatty fat rovers who arrive at 10 to 11 for an 11 o'clock kickoff, having all gone to bed at 5 in the morning, having drunk millions of pints and curry, and they all stink of farts and sweat. And even they wouldn't defend that so badly. Two Liverpool players unmarked in injury time. Unmarked. Either one of them could have scored that goal. It was absolutely shambolic. Ridiculous defending. And um, I know a lot of people said, well, it was an amazing game and, you know, we should be happy that we're involved. To me, it hurt that we didn't win that game. Not because we deserved it in the sense that uh, we played much better than Liverpool or created so many chances. It's a, but we were 4-3 up. That goal should have broken Liverpool's hearts. It should have broken them. And we should have been organized enough and disciplined enough not to let them back in the game. But like the Spurs game, the 4-4 at the Grove, we let them back into it. And it, it's appalling that Ben Ayun can have all that time and space to score an equalizing goal. In our box, he was six yards out and there was nobody near him and nobody even looking to get back. And that's what's uh, distressing because while now I can sort of appreciate a little bit more the Irish having goodness and what he did, and I'm not trying to take away from that at all, but the disappointment of not winning that game was really very, very high for me, I have to say. It hurt. Not because I wanted to, you know, take the piss out of the mug smasher or or anything like that. I mean, I wasn't thinking along those lines at all. I was thinking purely and simply of the glory of Arsenal and what character it showed and what uh, passion it showed and what commitment and spirit and heart and everything else for us to play not particularly well on the night but through Arshavin and and just through fighting and and winning that game but no and our defense is uh is all over the place at the moment it really really badly needs addressing uh leaving aside the quality of of some of the players that are in it at the moment we are down to bare bones and when you're down to bare bones I suppose that kind of thing happens. Well, you've got your first-choice defense. Maybe they don't make those kind of mistakes. So, uh, hopefully, it's a lesson learned before the Manchester United games. Because if we defend like that against Manchester United, we're going to find ourselves in big, big trouble. Because I think as good as Torres is, United have more goals in them. 
uh, than Liverpool do. So there you go. So what a week. Up, down, all over the place. Uh, fantastic. Arshavin, amazing. What a brilliant player. What a brilliant player. And what a fantastic signing that Arsene made. Because I, I'll just address this as well, that the stuff you might read on uh, on Arsenal News Review about Gazidis and uh, Kroenke signing uh, Arshavin is just absolute and utter bollocks. It's lies. It's completely and utterly untrue. We know Arsene, how he works. If he wants a player, he signs a player. He doesn't sign players because a guy who's been in the job less than four weeks tells him to. Can you imagine Ivan Gazidis coming in as a new chief executive of Arsenal and demanding that Arsene Wenger sign Arshavin? It's just so ridiculous. It's just untrue. Anyway, that's neither here nor there anymore. Um, anyway, to uh, to uh, talk a little bit more about Arshavin and defence and Champions League and all those sort of things, uh, I'm joined now by Amy Lawrence from The Observer. Hi, Amy. How you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Um, we'll start with the name that's on everybody's lips. That's Andre Arshavin. And maybe we'll come to the Liverpool game in a, in a moment. But I suppose a big question people have been posing all week is, why did Arsene Wenger leave him out of the Chelsea game? Do you have any idea or any theories or any idea? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, I must admit, it, it was something that was completely baffling. Um, the two people that didn't play in that game, uh, Alex Song being the other one, uh, who have been probably as responsible as anybody between them for the upsurge in fortunes recently. Um, um, I'm told that the reason Alex Song didn't play was because he looked tired according to Arsene and it's possibly um, one of the weaknesses in the great man that uh, he does set such enormous store on statistics sometimes it would be um, logical in a way uh, to go against what the figures say and go on your gut instinct and anybody who watched Alex Song in the Villarreal game could tell you he didn't look particularly tired and likewise he didn't look ever so tired in the um, Liverpool match that, that, that came after it so to have omitted him from the Chelsea game on the basis of apparently the stats showing that he, you know he, he maybe ran half a, a, a kilometre less or something in the match was a bit strange but the the Arshavin one makes the exclusion of Song look um, look like, like nothing really because obviously what, what are you saving for okay if you were saving him from for the Liverpool game um, he repaid you uh, big time but uh, most Arsenal supporters I think would have swapped even an amazing night at Anfield for going to the cup final yeah, I think uh, that was the next question I was going to ask. Well, you've answered that. <laughs> Having one. said that, I mean, there is the theory that um, finishing third in the Champions League leaves you with a, a, a potential disastrous draw in the Champions League qualifiers. Mm. And of course, the big difference in the in the rules this season is that you can finish in uh, third in, in the, the, the top leagues and go directly into the Champions League now without any kind of pre-qualification. Um, but I still think it's a bit ambitious if uh, uh, Arsenal thought that Arsenal were going to finish third this mm. year prior to the Liverpool match. When you look at the final now, the Chelsea-Everton final, um, you maybe look back to uh, when George Graham took over and that, that Littlewoods Cup win in 1987, and that maybe was the springboard for for that team to go on and do what they did in 1989 at Anfield, uh, that it gave them the belief that they could win trophies. Um Maybe uh, third place in the league would be a good thing come come next August. But in the longer term, 
mightn't it have been better to prioritise the FA Cup and actually get this team to win a trophy? I think you're absolutely right. Um, this is a team that has shown a fantastic recovery from a period of terrible self-doubt this season. But a, a trophy is proof that you really you know, deserve to be up there and um, uh, deserve to be talked about as potential Premier League or Champions League winners of the future. Now, obviously, if, if Arsenal were to win the Champions League this season, that would kind of obliterate any talk of of winning the FA Cup but there's still three absolutely monumental games ahead to to do that and for all of Arsenal's qualities this season um, it would be astonishing were this team to win the Champions League with the defence that it has Mm. so you know the the three big games that need to be hurdled in order to get to that you know it would be I think there'd be a lot of people that would just be staggered uh, uh, especially having watched that Liverpool game um in the last few days to imagine that a team with a defence like that has any chance whatsoever in winning the Champions League. Although, admittedly, there are some players to come back and um, I think the sight of Armenia and Juru will certainly be a stepping stone in the right direction. The defense... I don't know if that answers your question. But... <laughs> uh, it, it, it might do, but we'll talk about that now. We can come back to Arshav and maybe his performance in Liverpool in a minute. But the defence, obviously, is a big, big worry and I think uh, Arshavin is the guy who said that you know, we've all got to work a little bit harder and surely that's the case that when we're looking at um, playing Kieran Gibbs, who's doing really well, uh, despite being extremely raw, you've got Silvestre, who I don't think convinces too many people. Uh, Fabianski is not terribly confident. When you've got those kind of problems in defence, the onus is on the rest of the team, particularly the midfield, to, to help them out a bit more than they have been, especially on Tuesday night. Yeah, but, you, you know, you've got to remember that Arsene Wenger is a creature of habit, and here's a guy who has never really worked on team defending uh, as a priority in probably all of his career, certainly his career at Arsenal. When he arrived at the club, he stumbled upon the best defence the club has arguably ever had, with midfielders in front of him that knew how to work hard to help the team, and even strikers who did. I mean, don't tell it, don't anybody tell you that Ian Wright didn't defend from the front because he did, even though he was the hungriest player for goals I've ever seen. But you know, with, with the Patrick Vieira and Petit midfield that let's you know not forget Arsene Wenger built, that was a pair of midfielders who knew how to help out the defence and do their work. Um, and even players like Bergkamp and, and Henri uh, certainly knew how to do a, a sort of shift, albeit not in a, not the same way as a sort of archetypal old-fashioned English. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. ...center forward who works hard defending from the front. But this is a young team, and particularly in midfield, um, one of the reasons I think where I keep harping on about someone, but where he has... Uh, impressed so many people recently is he's taken that responsibility and players like Diaby and Nielsen who you know the three of them almost seem to come as as a, a trio when people talk about sort of midfield options for Arsenal this over the last couple of years. Um, Diaby and Nielsen have not really learned how to uh, uh, produce that kind of intelligent performance for the team in the same way that Song has which is why I think he has the edge now. But that's what you needed from those guys um, in the dying moments against Liverpool. But they haven't a clue how to do the sensible thing because I don't think it's particularly taught to them. So some of the um, blame for that probably should go to the manager and his coaching staff, not just to the players. It's very easy to point the finger and go, ah, Diaby, you know, you should know by now to track back and not waddle around in the last minute of a game. But isn't that the things to happen. Isn't that in Tony Adams' autobiography, I think, where he, uh, halfway through the season, had to uh, talk to the manager and say, look, we've got Petit and Vieira in front of us, but they're not, they're not helping us at all. Have yeah, words and, think, and make I, them do it. I think that your observation uh, about Fabregas and Nasri uh, clearly being so engrossed in conversation at the end of the, the match at Anfield was really uh, interesting because that was what was going on, and that probably echoes what Adams was doing all those years ago and the fact that it's coming from Fabregas when he's still 21 or whatever and Nasri's not that much older than him augurs very well from their point of view Mm. you know so it's not just about your age because those guys are not much older than the Diabis and Danielsons of this world or even Theo or whatever a couple years maybe but not much and yet they've got that tactical intelligence and either a player has it or they don't Um, but the more of the other players that can pick up those kind of instincts, obviously the more beneficial it will be in the long run, long run. But it's up to them to learn it for themselves because I don't think they're really going to be getting too much tuition on that front. <laughs> we saw what a, a bit of experience and, and quality can add to the team on Tuesday night. Andre Arshavin um, had a remarkable game, uh, scoring four goals. And I know we saw it um, in the Carling Cup with Baptista, but it, that's forgotten about now. Looking at the quality of Arshavin's goals was something else. And the scary, the great thing, I suppose, for Arsenal fans is he says he needs more time to settle in to, to get into his game. It's, it's a frightening thought. Well, I mean, it, it, it's the kind of... Every time you make a transfer as a manager, I think there's that flick of a coin situation where you absolutely pray that it's going to flick head side up and your instincts about a player turn out to be right. But there's, every, you know, there's still the possibility that however much homework you've done and how much you think that the guy's personality would be right and the guy's skills are right, there's always that chance that a player just doesn't fit as a club and doesn't work and doesn't have the right um, faculties to express himself. Now, there were some people who thought when Arsenal spent all that money on Arshad and that whole protracted transfer saga that it was just some kind of game and well he's Russian and he's 27 and if he was any good he would have gone somewhere already and he disappeared after the um, great games against Holland and so ever in the, in the European championships etc etc but my god is that coin turned the right way up because he's absolutely sensational and actually even from the very first game and he, he turned up and was clearly very unfit 
he showed, in my mind, the right spirit, the right attitude, and, you know, obviously he had the technique. So it's been a, a, a great bonus that he's been able to adapt so quickly and integrate himself into the team, and he's clearly going to be an enormous asset next season. But the thing about Arshavin that I think bothers me the most is I'm struggling to come to terms with the whole uh, concept of why a player is cup-tied in mm. Europe. I mean, yeah, we know the rules, and Arsenal knew the rules when they signed him, and so did Arshavin. But I just don't really get why, when a player is bought by another club, Arsenal pay good money for him, they pay him a good salary, and he now represents Arsenal. Why he wouldn't be eligible to play against Villarreal or Manchester United just because he played for St. Petersburg earlier in the competition. It just I struggle with the logic. Um, and although, obviously, nobody's going to change the rule in the next five minutes, which is unfortunate, uh, and they might not ever change it, it just seems a bit of a, a, a weird rule. And I would understand if Arsenal were playing St. Petersburg, OK, mm. if you don't necessarily play against the team you've actually played for earlier in the competition. But I don't think it's got any... Um, any real reason anymore and yeah. I think it's a, a rule that should be scrapped probably it's in quite antiquated isn't it <laughs> yeah I mean it's one of those things that seems to have been around uh, since God knows when for whatever reason nobody quite knows maybe mm. to stop you playing against your, your old team but um, yeah uh, he would be very very handy to have against Manchester United the the reasonably good news I think at this stage is that we're going to have Almunia back uh, Juru back and uh, Adi Bayor back uh, they should be fit and well for that game uh, obviously, the schedule is, is, is rather incredible. We've got uh, Middlesbrough this weekend. Then it's Manchester United, Portsmouth, Manchester United, Chelsea, Manchester United. Uh, we're going to be rather sick to, the, sick to death of looking at, at Man United and Ferguson and their fans and, and everything else. Um, how do you think Arsene is going to play it in, in terms of the away leg in particular? Uh, he'll be looking to get a goal, but I think they'll be uh, afraid a little bit of after the defensive display against Liverpool, uh, what United might do from an attacking point of view. I mean, I think that when you look at the history of the Champions League, first legs are so important. If you get a leg up in the first leg, it doesn't half set you up, although that obviously doesn't mean that the result is anyway conclusive. But by the same token, if you have a rotten start in the first leg, it's ever so difficult to turn it around. And in the, the season a few years ago when Arsenal got to, to Paris and to the final, I think it was very interesting that in all those knockout games, um, Arsenal really went to get a good result in the first leg. And that set the temperature for each of the, um, each of the ties. And I'm absolutely certain that Arsenal will, will go for it at Old Trafford. Apart from anything else, I mean, the last two matches have shown that when Arsenal go for it, they've got a chance about scoring anybody, no matter how dodgy the defence. But when Arsenal try and slug it out with someone and play cautious, you know, the, the, the uh, potential for getting punished is massive. Uh, the experience as well that Manchester United have, they've been in semi-finals, they've reached finals, they've got a, a squad of players who are... I suppose what you'd say, the right age, and maybe uh, they're ripe, maybe a little overripe, some of them, uh, against the, the, the youth that we have. What, where does the advantage lie at, at this point? Because uh, maybe we've got fresher legs and um, uh, less afraid. I don't know. It's, it's so difficult to call, isn't it? I think that you know, United are the, are the holders. You know, they've got the experience of winning it. They don't have to go very, back in their, very far back in their memories. But they also don't have to go very far back in their memories to think of how they're, how much they're struggling to play football and express themselves. And it's been a while since United have played well and they look jaded. And I think that's the one thing that 
Arsenal have got going for them, apart from having that sort of fearlessness and also being the underdog is not the end of the world because, you know, you can sometimes have a little bit more freedom mentally to, you know, you don't feel so bogged down by the expectations. But I think Arsenal just need to watch a few videos of United recently and, you know, remind themselves that this team is not invincible. Um, They've got a few, they've got good results lately, no question, but with some jolly good fortune um, and possibly against opponents that aren't as dangerous as Arsenal at the moment. So I would say um, who could split it? But don't go in there thinking Arsenal haven't really got much for prayer because of this dodgy defence. Well, uh, we've already beaten them once this season, so uh, fingers crossed uh, we can do it again. Amy, we better leave it there. Thanks very much. Anytime. Cheers. Thanks very much to Amy. We'll have more from her, I hope, on another Arsecast in the very near future. Coming up, we'll have some team news uh, for the game uh, against Middlesbrough on Sunday, which is also relevant to the Champions League game in midweek against Manchester United. Now, though, a tale of the unexpected. Welcome to Tales of the Unexpected on the Ozblog Ozcast. Hello, my name is George, and I've got another tale of the unexpected for you. This week I've had a very busy week. You know the way from time to time I might find things and then put them in the back of my van and go somewhere and sell them. Well, this week I came across a box of Jade Goody commemorative plates. Now, they were there, I had to take them. But I was thinking, who in their right mind would want one of these? They're shite. Look at them. Who could possibly want something so mawkish and sentimental? Then it hit me. A scouser would. So off I went to Liverpool to sell me Jade Goody commemorative plates. I wasn't that confident, I have to say. Even scousers, I thought, would have a bit more class. But no, within 15 minutes I had the whole lot sold and a day free ahead of me. Cash burning a hole in my pocket, I decided, well, I'll buy a ticket for the match and go and watch the Arsenal against Liverpool. Well, I have to say, I haven't seen anything like it in years. It was back and forward, to and fro. It was like a GAA match between Muff and Boris and Ossery. And if you know anything about GAA, you'll know what I'm talking about. The game, Ash haven't scored for Arsenal, then Liverpool went ahead, then Arsenal went ahead, then Liverpool equalised, then Arsenal scored the winner, and no, Jesus, it wasn't the winner. Oh, I swear to God, I nearly got sick out of me hole I was that bad, oh... Nevertheless, it dealt a cruel blow to Liverpool's hopes of winning the league. On the way out, there was this one guy there. He was mounting off old Arsenal cheating, same old Arsenal, blah, blah, blah. So I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, ah, excuse me, mate. Uh, you know, I think you've lost something. What's that, he says. Any chance of winning the title, you mug-smashing, bin-dipping, Jerry and the pacemakers loving, soonest moustache-wearing cunt monkey? Well, he went mental, tried to kill me with an axe. But of course that kind of behaviour is not at all unexpected. At least, not to me. Another tale of the unexpected on an Arsecast in the very near future. Now, uh, before we go on to team news, well done uh, to the Arsenal youth team. They beat Manchester City, the holders of the FA Youth Cup, 4-1 at the Grove on Wednesday night. Sanchez, what with two goals, Jack Wilshire. And Kyle Bartley with the other goal. Manchester City were uh, a very, very good team and we beat them. Smashed them out of it. Uh, the final's probably going to be against uh, those dastardly mug smashers. Um, 
but it's very, very promising to see so many young English kids coming through and uh, and doing so well. The team's been together for years. They've all been playing together since they're about nine years of age. So it obviously makes a, a big difference. And Steve Bold, a man who I think in the near future, not the near future, but I think in the future could have a role to play at Arsenal uh, in a managerial uh, position. He's learning the ropes. He's doing it well. He's working with the young players and uh, learning all the time from Arsene Wenger, I'm sure. He's an intelligent guy, Baldy. He could well be a dark horse uh, for the manager's job in the near future. He's doing great work with them, so fingers crossed they can do the business uh, when the final takes place. Now, ahead of the Middlesbrough game on Sunday, the team news is that uh, Adibayor, Juru, and Almunia may well be back. I know Almunia is in training. Adibayor was rested with a tight hamstring, obviously so as not to um, rule him out of the games against Manchester United. And uh, Juru... Uh, coming back is is a, a great bit of news uh, because it means we've got another option in the center of our defense. And given the way that uh, we've been a bit shaky since the uh, introduction of Silvestre, uh, yeah, it, it'll be good to have him back, uh, provided he's, he's fit enough. And you hope that uh, should they all get through the Borough game, then they're all going to be uh, ready for the Champions League game against Manchester United uh, on Wednesday. So fingers crossed for, for Juru because that means less Sylvester. Hello everyone, it's me again, Sylvester. I know you Arsenal fans are loving having me around the place, on the pitch, in the training ground, on the Arsecast. Well, let me tell you, Sylvester is not a selfish man. No, I'm passing on the benefit of all my wisdom and experience to the young players at Arsenal. Oh, stop screaming with excitement. Imagine Kieran Gibbs doing so well in the left-back position. Soon he will learn to defend exactly like me. Oh, stop screaming. Oh, baby. Oh, Sylvester, is there no end to the joy that he brings, Arsenal fans? So this weekend, it's Middlesbrough. Three points there would be uh, very welcome indeed. You've got to get back into the winning habit. Even though we should have won on Tuesday, we should win against Middlesbrough, uh, who are going to be fighting for their lives. They're right stuck in the uh, the depths of the relegation battle. They will be scrapping for their lives, and we need to play well. I'll be there. Going over this weekend, it's going to be a fab weekend. The Arsblog 5-a-side tournament for the people on the Arsblog forums. Come on, the green team. There are five teams. Green, obviously, Irish. That's me. I'm captain of that team. And then there's the yellows who, who drink piss. The whites. <laughs> well, they're white. I mean, that's Spurs, isn't it? Really? There's the blues. Um, and the reds. Who are just both cunts. But the green team are there, and um, we'll be uh, trying to improve our penalty record from last year. That's that's giving away penalties and, and actually taking them. So it's it's going to be a fab weekend. Tom will be here uh, all weekend uh, to bring you the blog. And then, of course, next week we've got uh, Manchester United in the Champions League. In the kind of game that come Tuesday morning you're going to be like, whoo, whoo, And Wednesday morning you'll be, and then by Wednesday evening, you know, if you haven't prepared yourself properly, there could be turtles' tails with the excitement of it all. Because a game against United is always a big game. Always a knee trembler 
and when the stakes are so high this time, oh, oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it and shitting it at the same time. But shitting it in just a n- nervous way. Not that I don't think we, ca- we can't get results, because I think we can. Oh, man, it's going to be good. So much football to come. The schedule, as we pointed out earlier with Amy, it's, it's crazy. So much football. And we're nearly at the summer, and then it's all going to go crazy. So uh, let's enjoy the football that's ahead of us. Uh, to those of you that will see it the weekend, um, get the beers cold. Uh, Tom will be here all weekend on the blog to keep you company. And uh, I'll be back on Monday with more blogging and uh, another Arscast next Friday. So until then, take it easy. Have yourselves a great weekend. Cheers. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, a statement from OleOle.com. Due to the current financial climate and the economic downturn, it has been necessary for us to cut some costs. As such, the end bits of the Oscast will now be outsourced to a Polish labor force. We have ensured that the finest workers have been obtained, and you should not notice any deterioration in quality. Please send us your feedback to at oleole.com. We guarantee we'll answer your email. Thank you. Pevel, Pevel, my dog have no nose. No nose? How does he smell? Like the anus of Samir Nasri. <laughs> <laughs> 